to Road Muscle Radio, Kansas City's talk show for throttle junkies, motorheads, and anyone who loves rocking the driver's seat. From barn fresh to concour ready, Road Muscle Radio parks the latest news, the greatest views, and the biggest names in rolling thunder right in your ears. Your host is a freelance automotive journalist, auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, and owner of a sweet 1960 Corvette and a smoking 61 Impala, Road Muscle Radio's Brett Hatfield. It's Road Muscle Radio, where if you love a car, you put your ears here. I'm Catfish. I'm with Brett Hatfield, who is the know-all, be-all of vehicles. Brett, how's your week been? Been fantastic. Been a really great week. Know-all? No pressure here. Yeah, you know, I didn't set you up. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) That way, when I look stupid, it's okay. (laughs) Brett knows everything. I don't know Jack. I drink it. Don't know it. I know a little. I'll drink it with you. Uh so what have you had going on this week? You know, I'm still doing my search. I'm, I'm now. I take my time. I'm one of those guys that I, it's really hard for me to pull a trigger on a on a vehicle because I look and I look and I look. No, no, no. Endless shopping is not a bad thing. It's a uh, well. You know, there are cars that you find, and since I'm a, I'm a Craigslist slash search tempest loser, uh, I'm always kind of you know patrolling the bottom of them and. There's a specific kind of look and feel and style that I want. And there are model years that can come up and down and come close to it. But I'm like, if I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to drop 4K of precious, <laughs> precious Mark Cash, you know, catfish money. 4K. And, dude, in catfish, you know, bank accounts, that's a big chunk. Uh, then I'm, I'm looking and just kind of hoping for the right one. Now, what sucks is back in 2008, I could have found anything I wanted. Yeah, at 4K. Well, so yeah, I mean, 2008. Hindsight's 2020. Well, yeah, the market was crap, and everybody who had anything that was valuable and they were looking at their uh, bank account dwindle. And oh, amen. Yeah, uh, you could have you could have probably really stepped up. But right now, the market is back. The cars are back. 4K probably doesn't go very far. That's part of the reason why I'm a very uh, frugal and and uh, long suffering shopper. But that's that's what I've been doing. There's been a few that I found, and I'm like, I started to make a couple of phone calls. But you know, I take my time, take my time. Well, Speaking of time, I bet you're all over the latest news that's going on in the car front. Well, what have you got there? What have you got coming up? Anything? Oh, me? nothing. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not gonna. I, I don't want to jinx it. There, there's a, there's a. Uh, I'll be honest. There's a pretty sweet uh, uh, Chrysler Newport early sixties oh, convertible. Again, dude, it's Mopar. It's a convertible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. there'll be no Calflex in that at all. <laughs> and it's orange, and it's just ugly as sin. Oh my god! And it's I, it's real estate. It's it's they probably oh, yeah. won't let you have it on the road. Yeah, you know, I don't need headlights. It's bright enough just as it is on the road. <laughs> Uh, speaking of being on the road, I am about to get out of town and, uh, August, third week of August. In fact, the 19th through the 27th going to be in Monterey. We're going to cover the concour on the Avenue in Carmel, which is oh, all, nice. yeah, it's car porn, nothing we can afford, all the stuff that you only get to see in pictures or online. I could get a bumper oh, yeah. for 4K. Not, not even. A lot of this stuff, 4K won't get you through the tune-up. Uh, and also going to be covering Russo and Steel at Monterey at Fisherman's Wharf. I love Russo and Steel auctions. Always have a good time there. Drew Alcazar is the owner. And he's just a sweetheart of a guy. He's so much fun to be around. Now, when you're talking an auction like that at a place like that, 
what are we talking the range of cars and prices that they generally go for? We in you the- will see quite a bit of higher end stuff at one of those last year. Uh, you know, million dollar cars are not uncommon, but those also in the on the if you go on Thursday and hit them early, you'll hit some bargains. You'll see some lower end stuff. I don't know that you could get down to four K, <laughs> but you might be able to get close. Uh, but they also do really cool memorabilia auctions before they start with the cars on Thursday and Friday. Oh, nice. So they, guitars and uh, autographs and you know stuff like that, really cool stuff. And uh, again, the guy who owns Russo and Steel is a guy named Drew Alcazar, and he's just a blast to be around. Russo and Steel is like a party where somebody brought the cars. And after Russo and Steel, this is. This is the one for you, baby. This is the <laughs> Bring one. Bring it on. This is the one you should be with me for. It's the Concours de Lemons. <laughs> and uh-oh, you started to speak my language. Yeah, if you got a four-wheel crap box, Concours de Lemons <laughs> is where you want to go. Uh, you know, and it's one of these fantastic shows where they encourage you to bribe the judges with alcohol and beef jerky. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and they give prizes for best malaise era car. And you know, <laughs> if, if you got a crappy car, this is your show. This is the one you want to hit. And uh, that's Saturday, Sunday. We're going to be at Pebble for the Pebble Concours d'Elegance and also uh, get a run into all my buddies from McPherson. It's a McPherson College alumni picture. Nice. Love Monterey. It's just, it's so pretty. And uh, it, if you ever want to feel poverty stricken, Monterey Car Week's a great place to go. Um, there are going to be some really unbelievably rare and also expensive cars up for auction there uh it looks like gooding and company is going to have a couple uh one of them is a 1955 ferrari mondial in french racing blue known as the admiral's ferrari and uh the estimated sale price on that one's supposed to be between five and a half and seven and a half million dollars They'll have one wow. of two 1935 Duesenberg SSJ oh. models ever built. One of them went to Gary Cooper. The other went to Clark Gable. Of course. And, and this one right now is owned by a gentleman named Miles Collier, who is an auto journalist and also writes for a Sports Car Market, one of the magazines I write for. And that one will be uh, – they're, they're looking for a, a sale price north of $10 million. $10 million. Ten, wow. Ten million dollars. <laughs> and then uh, the Holy Grail, you know, last show we talked about a 1962 Ferrari 250 GT, uh, GTO that had traded hands for $70 million to David McNeil, who owns uh, WeatherTech. There's going to be another 250 GTO, short wheelbase uh, Berlinetta at Bonhams and Everybody's talking about this car. They're talking about the thing being a $50 million plus sale. So probably the most expensive car ever to be sold at auction anywhere. $50 million. $50 million. Lottery money. Now, if that car is out on display, can people actually walk up to it? Or when something is that valuable, are oh, no, you completely that, roped off? That'll be velvet ropes. You won't get near you're it. Not, won't you're you, not even in spitting distance. Yeah, you can't spit on it, can't sneeze on it, won't be able to touch can't it. Can't even look too hard at it. Yeah. If, if, <laughs> hey, 
if you if you want your picture with it, you better use a long lens because <laughs> you know that sucker's in the background. Uh, I can't imagine how pretty it is though. Oh, just gorgeous. That's one of your dreamy type cars, isn't it? I don't even know that I dream that big. It seems so far out of reality. I'm not sure that I could uh, even dream of it. But uh, lots of lots of stuff going at Monterey this year, and it sounds like they're going to have amazing selection at all the auctions, and I look forward to it. It's just one of the best weeks all year if you're a car guy. Now tell us a little bit about our uh, our guests coming up. Uh, we've got Doug Campbell coming up. He works for uh, Hillbank Motorsports in Irvine, California, and Doug is an expert on all things Cobra, all things Superformance, and uh, Cobra history, and he's just a really interesting guy. And he's the guy who helps feed my cobra fetish, and <laughs> eventually he's probably going to get to be friends with my mortgage banker. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet he is. Stick around for that. That's coming up on Road Muscle Radio. Plus, you can find pictures of all kinds of stuff, cars that we've had, cars that we want, uh, the latest articles, stuff that's really cool at Road Muscle Radio on Facebook. And check us out on Twitter, too, because we're happy to chat. Doug Campbell, coming up next on Road Muscle Radio. We are back with Road Muscle Radio. I'm Catfish with Brett Hatfield. And, Brett, you have a friend and a special guest on the line. Uh, you know, we had our 30-year high school reunion this weekend, and a good friend of mine came up from Houston and brought his Superformance Cobra. And uh-huh. I've I've lusted after him for a long time, but I'd never gotten a chance to ride in one, drive one. And Bill and I ran in that around in that thing Saturday for a couple hours, and it's the car is just stupid. There's no good reason to own one, which is exactly why you'd want to own one. <laughs> and coincidentally, uh, Bill took that thing back home Sunday, and I was out running around with my wife Monday. We stopped by a dealership, and they had one for sale on the showroom floor. And I looked at it, and I thought, oh, I really, really want to take this thing home. So first thing I do is call – uh, our guest today, Doug Campbell, he or I, I got online. I started talking to him, and Doug knows everything there is to know about Cobras and Superformance Cobras. And he, uh, Doug, you work for or own part of Hillbank Motorsports in Irvine. Hi guys. No, I'm I'm just an employee. We don't have a lot of titles here, but I work directly for Lance Stander, who's the owner of Superformance as well as Hillbank Motorsports. But Doug has daily Cobra porn on Facebook, and I <laughs> uh, just can't get enough of it. And the Cobras and Daytona Coupes and GT40s and Corvette Grand Sport replicas and just everything you'd want to have in your garage. So I really wanted to have Doug on the show today and let him talk about everything they do and everything Cobra. And Doug, thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm really uh, flattered to be asked to be a guest. Thank you. You know, as Catfish, I'm kind of a bottom feeder when it comes to cars. I love the big old boats from the mid-60s and the 50s and about every other era. <laughs> Who am I kidding? If it's big, fat, and ugly, I'm all about it. <laughs> However, uh, when I was talking with Brett earlier this uh, this week, 
we were chatting about the Cobras and stuff. So I got online and was looking up all the history and it's, it's really, really super interesting. Just the history of the car itself beyond the, Oh my God of the vehicle. Can you fill us in a little bit on the history of uh, how uh, the, the Cobra came about? Sure. It's, it's actually pretty amazing. Um, the story is so incredible. In fact, Fox Pictures is in the middle of uh, making a movie about Carol Shelby, and we're supplying a bunch of cars to Fox. Uh, nice. We had some meetings yesterday, and uh, right now they, it's slated to come out in June of next year, and they've got uh, Matt Damon playing Carol Shelby and then Christian Bale playing Ken Miles. So that should be pretty interesting. <laughs> but, Matt Damon's uh, not tall enough to be Carol Shelby. <laughs> that was my first thought, too, you know, and the Boston accent might uh, be a little throw-off. Good no, sure driving. I, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> Goodwill Driving. Sorry, <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, it's the only use I have yeah. in this show, man. <laughs> yeah. So the history of um, it. Yeah. So the history. You know, back in the '50s, you know, Carol was a, a race car driver, a very successful one. He actually won Le Mans in '59, driving for Aston Martin. But Carol had a hereditary heart condition and. When he won Le Mans in 59, the story is he did that with nitroglycerin pills under his tongue. That's the story. And so his, his driving career was over. And so he, he had to give up driving, but he had this dream of creating his own sports car. And so he began looking around, and, you know, all the guys that were overseas in the war fell in love with the European sports cars. That's how Carroll started racing was in an old MGTD. And, you know, Americans fell in love with these little lightweight sports cars. So he found a, a car from a company called AC Cars in England, the Ace, and their engine company in Bristol had gone out of business. And so he really liked the body and chassis of this car. So he brought it over to the U.S., and now he had to find an engine. And strangely enough, he originally approached Chevrolet. Yeah. And Chevrolet <laughs> just sent him packing and said, you know, we have our own sports car. We, we have the Corvette. Corvette. We don't need another sports car. So then he went over to Ford, and at that time it was Lee Iacocca. And the story I love is, uh, and you can just see Lee Iacocca doing this, is that um, Lee Iacocca, uh, after about 10 minutes of this Texan in there beating him down, said, you know what, get this guy some engines and get him out of here before he bites somebody. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so they gave him a few engines and the Cobra was born. Originally, it was a 260 truck motor that was uh, slated for Canada. So the first Cobras, the first what people now call 289 Cobras, actually had 260s in them. And so uh, soon after that, I think after 30 or so cars, they upgraded it to the 289. But then it started beating the Corvettes here in the U.S. on the racetrack. And then Shelby, you know, from his racing days, had a, a real grudge against Enzo Ferrari. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to go take on Enzo. And uh, as the car developed, he put bigger tires on it. But when he wanted to race internationally, the FIA rules that governed racing back then said the tires had to be covered by the body. So he took the little 289 and flared out the whole rear of the car, flared the front fenders, and that became the 289 FIA. And then he went on, uh, wanted to race at Le Mans, and the Cobras were all done at about 160 miles an hour. And back then, you know, Ferraris were running 180 down the Molson Strait that was then three miles long. So he had this guy, his second employee, a guy named Peter Brock. Uh, who had uh, come on board with Shelby to run the racing school out at Riverside. Pete happened to go to L.A. Art Center uh, in transportation design and actually came to Carroll from GM, where in 1958 he designed the Stingray Racer at the age of 19 that became the 63 Stingray. No, so, yeah. 19? Yeah. Uh. yeah, at 19. 
He went to Art Center for two years, ran out of money, and then got a friend of his <laughs> to get him a job in the design center at GM down in the basement. And his design was picked for the 58 Stingray show car that became the 58 Stingray Racer, which then evolved into the 63 Stingray. So Pete, when he came to Shelby, was running the, the driving school because he really wanted to drive for Shelby. But uh, when he saw that Shelby needed a more aerodynamic car to race at Le Mans and beat Ferrari, he uh, raised his hand and said, I think I can design a body for the 289 that'll beat Ferrari. And 90 days later, they went out to Riverside and ran 186 miles an hour in their first test. And so <laughs> the rest is history. I mean, they they uh, the car caught on fire in its first race at Daytona, the Daytona Continental in uh, 64, which is where the, the Daytona Coupe got its name. But uh, the next race at Sebring at one, I mean, they were lapping the Ferraris. Just one and it off. almost won Le Mans outright in 64. Uh, still won the GT class, but I think it was about four hours to go. They took a rock to the oil cooler. So they had to block off the oil cooler and keep bringing the car into the pits to change the oil and cool the car down. Still finished fourth overall in one GT class. And then in 65, helped them clinch the world championship. So Now, forgive uh, me my ignorance. That's with the 427 in it, or are we still talking the 289? No. That's still the 289. You're no, kidding Shelby, me. That's insane. No, Shelby never really raced the 427. It was really designed as a street car. In fact, you know, it's the 427 FC, which is street comp. <laughs> F-U. And, <laughs> yeah. And so uh, with that big, heavy 427, you know, road courses weren't exactly a specialty oh, for that yeah, yeah. car. You know, the handling wasn't as good as the 289 on road courses. So yeah. uh, a lot of privateers raced the 427, but it, it wasn't a Shelby team car. The uh, that big block out front had a tendency to push the nose a little hard. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, you know that was the one where you know any of those cars Shelby could put the hundred dollar bill on the dash and dare somebody to grab it while he accelerated. And I don't think he ever <laughs> gave one away. <laughs> Absolutely. So after that, Cobra prices. You know, uh, for a long time, a Cobra was just a used race car and there wasn't a collector car market really in the sixties and seventies like we would recognize now. Oh, not at all. Used race cars weren't worth anything. Well, wasn't part of that the, uh, when the Mustang started putting on its own, you know, Shelby Cobra, this and that in what, 68, 69. And didn't that change the, the valuation on it too? Well, that, yeah, actually it's 66, I believe. And I could be a little off on that, but I believe it was 66. Ford came to Shelby and wanted them to turn the Mustang into a race car. You know, Shelby, you know, back then they called that a secretary's car. It wasn't, wasn't a muscle car. It wasn't anything. Yeah. Uh, but Shelby, Shelby actually turned that into a decent race car, uh, back in the sixties as well. Well, but, and before Ford came to Shelby for help with the, uh, Mustangs, uh, Henry Ford, the second had gotten into a deal where he was trying to buy Ferrari and, yeah. and Ferrari, uh, Backed out of the deal at the 11th hour, they got into a bit of an ego clash. Ferrari wanted to run the racing and didn't want to race at Indy, and Ford didn't. Uh, Ford wanted to run it at Indy, and Enzo pulled out at the last minute and subsequently sold a Fiat. And it really, really, really upset Henry Ford II. He decided that he wanted to go get Enzo in his own backyard, which is Le Mans. And yep. uh, how are we doing on time, Catfish? We got a couple minutes. Anyway, uh, you know the story as well as I do. Everyone would rather hear it from you, so go ahead. Yeah, in uh, 64 and 65, uh, they took the old Lola Mark VI GT um, as a base, the Ford engineers, and developed the GT40, the Mark I, and it had the 289 in it. 
but just did miserably in 64 and 65. And so when Ford saw Shelby win a world championships with the Daytona Coupe and the Cobra, they came to him to take over the program. So he stuck that 427 side oiler in the back of the GT40 and developed the Mark II. And of course, they went one, two, three in 66, won again with the Mark IV in 67. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. Uh, John Wire Racing won in 68 and 9 with the Mark I. After the FIA restricted engine size to five liters, they put a 302 in the Mark I and won back to back in 68 and 69. Still the only time the same chassis number has won Le Mans twice. Yep. And, uh, I mean, that story is told so well. If you haven't seen the movie The 24 Hour War, my friend Nate Adams, uh, Chassis Media, did that with Adam Carolla. It's one of the best racing documentaries I've ever seen. And that's like the perfect Friday night with the wife is sitting down with a glass of wine and watching the 24-hour war. Absolutely. You know, I had just watched that movie before we went to Monterey last year. And then I was at Russo and Steel taking pictures of a a 55 Corvette racer. And I turned around and Bob Bondurant was bent over a new Ford (laughs) GT40 looking at it. And I got the opportunity to meet him. And uh, how cool is that? An amazing man. Absolutely amazing. Yes, he is. I tell you what, we've got to take a break, but when we come back with Road Muscle Radio, we'll have Doug Campbell of Hillbank Motorsports, and we will uh, bring it all up to date and see what's cooking in the land of good looking with uh, Cobras. back with road muscle radio be sure to check us out on facebook road muscle radio uh we've got a lot of pictures we update all kinds of stuff uh I, i'm so sorry brett i, I totally catfish the uh <laughs> the website i'm still working on it oh uh, you know there's what? a lot of gears and things in it and if i could just weld it <laughs> then i'd burn a hole right through it <laughs> we, we already know yeah, what your I welding know. looks my, like my welding sucks yeah, your welding looks like ray charles did it with his feet <laughs> <laughs> no, his would have been better. But uh, we are uh, we are here with Doug Campbell of Hillbank Motorsports and Brett. You got to get out of him the story we were talking about just a few minutes ago, where the Cobra almost ended up next to the Titanic. Um, Doug, tell us about the Cobra Daytonas and what happened when Shelby was done racing them. Yeah, when they were done racing the Daytonas back then, old race cars really weren't worth anything. And Shelby actually initially, uh, with all the cars, all six cars over in Europe wanted to just dump them in the ocean. He couldn't get rid of them. And he actually, once he found out it was going to cost him more to dump them in the ocean than bring them back, he brought them all back over and was trying to sell them, I think, for around eight grand. And the story Bob Bondurant tells, he kept trying to sell one to Bob because Bob loved that car. And he will tell you today, it's his favorite race car. If you ask him, what car did you love to race the most, he'll tell you the Daytona Coupe. But he he eventually bought one. I believe he bought it for like $8,500. And after Carol chased him for a year and a half, and then he said he kept it for about a year and a half and sold it for for like ten and a half or eleven grand, and thought he was a genius. <laughs> <laughs> you know that tells you what mothballs can be your best friend, man. <laughs> no kidding. What yeah, are they going for you now? No, like a, a Daytona Coupe, if one were ever come back up for sale, would be north of ten million dollars. Wow, there's only six of them in existence. Yeah, yeah, only six, and it was really cool. Like at Goodwood two years ago, uh, 2016, they had all six Daytonas together for the first oh, time. Oh, did they really? The 60s. And one of the most incredible pictures, and I have a customer that actually, uh, he bought a GT40 from me, and he sent me as a thank you gift a framed print 
of the photo of Peter Brock standing in the middle of all six coops with his arms oh, spread open wide and the that's... biggest smile on his face. And you know what? I love him. That is uh, so I'm cool. fortunate enough to be friends with Peter. He actually helped me with the drivetrain in my Daytona coupe. And we got to be close friends. And I, I honestly consider him like a second dad to me and, and a close friend, just one of the salt of the earth, best guys, most talented, humble people you'll ever meet. But to see him with all six cars, um, getting some of the recognition he deserves for designing that beautiful, beautiful machine was incredible. And a lot of emotion there, knowing what yeah. an effect he's had on automotive history. Catfish, you don't know this, but because Pete Brock was so young when he designed those cars and he worked for GM and he worked for Shelby, he's still alive now. Well, yeah, he, he was just, just turned not, what, 80 last year. Yeah. Wow. So just and about he's, with the, he's an 80 year old in a 60 year old body. No, well, yeah, I've seen him. He's still in really great shape. That's because he designed shape. it, yeah. <laughs> uh, New drivetrain. But because, you know, there are only a few guys left around who were involved in that. Bob Bondurant's still alive, and Peter Brock's yep. still alive, and there aren't too many other guys around who were involved in that. No, Bernie Crutchmeyer and a few others. Um, yeah, just a lucky handful. enough, a lot of them are still here in Southern California, Charlie Agapu and, and a few more, Billy Krause. Yeah, so, um, Charlie was in the 24-hour war, too. Uh, yeah. And it just – the other thing was he was trying to sell those cars for eight grand, and that sounds like nothing now. I mean, It's a pretty good amount of money back, back in the day. Back then, well, yeah. yeah. When, small. when a brand-new Stingray was selling for, you know, a little over five. But, yeah, back in 66, 67, you couldn't even drive it on the street, although uh, – Phil Spector bought one of the cars yep. and changed the exhaust and stuff and, and got it street legal, but his lawyer made him sell it soon after that because he was getting too many speeding tickets. <laughs> and, and there's there's a whole other story behind that particular car. It's, uh, right. it, it's really interesting. So let's kind of come up to where we are now. Uh, everybody knows that you know those original Daytonas are selling for – astronomical money and so are original cobras those are all seven figure cars so the replica was kind of a, a given that it was going to happen what got you interested in working for hillbank and being involved with superformance and can you explain that genesis to us sure um you know it's really just kind of how the universe works when you kind of leave yourself open to opportunities and set an intention the universe just kind of puts things in line it's amazing the way that happens but yeah, I had worked uh, as an executive for uh, a major investor-owned utility here. Um, my last position was in advanced technology, and my background was in engineering, but I was managing an engineering department. And I just got to the point where I was done. I came home one day right after my wife and I got married a few years ago, and I said, you know what, honey, I'm done. And she said, why don't you retire? And I said, you know, I said, I don't have anything else to do. And she said, well, good, you have plenty of time to figure it out. And my mind just wasn't wired that way. But I'm like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. So I retired, and I um, I loved on my Daytona Coupe for a few months. And then after about four months, my wife and I were on a cruise with the Cobra Club here up in the central California coast. Um, and we were at a winery doing some wine tasting. And Lance Sander, who I'd known after being a customer of his for 13 years, uh, asked me what I was doing. And I said, nothing. I'm retired. And he said, why don't you come work for me? And I told my wife when I retired, I said, Whatever I do next, I want it to be something around my passion for cars. And lo and behold, you know, Lance was gracious enough to give me an opportunity. And so I went and talked to him and started that day. And, you know, that was a little over two years ago, and I haven't looked back. And you are an endless promoter for Superformance and Hillbank. Uh, 
Uh, and Hill Bank has three different locations. You're in Irvine, California. The other two look, do you ever travel to either of the other two? Uh, I haven't been to the location in Michigan. I have been to the location in Arizona, which just opened up a year ago, June. And that's just over off University Avenue in Tempe, Arizona. And, uh, you know, but here in Irvine, um, I do refer to it as the mothership because we're two companies here. We're Hillbank Motorsports, which is uh, the retail outlet for Superformance and Shelby Legendary Cars. And it's also the world headquarters for Superformance. And since Lance owns both, he's here. And it's the largest of our locations by far. We have about a 25,000 square foot showroom now. Uh, we just moved about five months ago to a bigger location here, about a mile away from our old location, and it's just fantastic. Now we have uh, plenty of room in the showroom. We've got our huge parts department that supports all of our cars going back 26 years, and it's just a fantastic place to work. I've got a great window that looks out onto the showroom, and I guarantee you there's not a better office view in the world. I'm looking over at Catfish right now, and he's looking at your website. <laughs> oh, I just got on the website. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> he, he looks He looks like he may need uh, medical help soon. <laughs> that is every Hot Wheel I've ever wanted in my life, right yeah. all on one I'll page. I'll tell you. Oh, my it, gosh. It, Every time someone walks through the front lobby into the showroom for the first time, I love seeing the look on their face. Because they're <laughs> expecting to see like two or three or maybe five cars, and there's 70 cars sitting in front of them. GT40s, Corvette Grand Sports, Cobras, I mean, and it's just an incredible sight. There are ones here that I've never even heard of. Uh, Caterham? Caterham. Yeah, we are, we're also the U.S. dealer for the Caterham 7, which was like, it's the continuation of the old Lotus Super 7. Caterham bought the rights from Lotus. You know, it's an old English sports car, and those are a hoot to drive. They weigh about 1,250 pounds, and you can get them you know, with horsepower anywhere from 135 all the way up to 310. Yeah, because the original AC uh, that uh, Shelby got hold of, those had six-cylinder engines in them originally, weren't they? That's right. And then he, uh, he dropped the eight-cylinder into it. So can the Caterham, does that come in a six-cylinder? Is that what I'm hearing? No, no, no. No, no it's it still comes all- with a four. Uh, what? Comes, uh, the, the base model is a 1.6 liter four. And then uh, above that, you go to the Ford two liter Duratec and that's normally aspirated. But then when you go up to the 310 horse version, the 620R, that's got a supercharger on it and a six speed sequential. And that car is faster zero to 60 than a Bugatti Veyron. And on an episode <laughs> of Top Gear beat a Viper GTS around the track. So it's no toy. That is so wrong in so many right ways. Just just remember the formula for speed. It's horsepower versus weight. And it yeah, doesn't I mean, weigh anything, and it puts out great power. So, Yeah, this car proves to me, the first time I drove one, I really get what Colin Chapman says, that the best thing you can do to a car is take out weight because it makes everything about the car better. Braking, cornering, acceleration, everything. Uh, add lightness is what the man said. There you go. Um, now, I was in Mon- or I was in Newport Beach. I'm eating breakfast in the hotel. I'm texting you saying, "I we really need to get together. Got to find some time." I knew you were driving that black Cobra around with the white stripes and the gumballs on the side. And yeah. as I'm looking out on Pacific Coast Highway eating my oatmeal, I see you drive by, and I'm just thinking, "Well, damn it! Why didn't you wave?" <laughs> I wish you could have. You know. Everything's a blur when you're in a Cobra. So, you know, I have eyes on the road and hands on the wheel. But, uh, yeah, I wish there was some way we could have met up. I would known you were there. That would have been incredible. Well, I haven't had the opportunity to tell you, but you looked good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you I appreciate good. that. But you hey. know what? Everybody looks good in a Cobra. Yeah, this Amen. is true. <laughs> 
how are we doing there, Catfish? We got about another minute left. That's all we've got to talk about cobras. <laughs> Doug, anything you want to plug, anything you have coming up, anything you're doing, anything interesting, you, it's the floor is yours. Have at it. Sure. For anybody that's going to be in Monterey for Car Week, we'll be at uh, Laguna Seca at the track. We have a huge display as you come down the hill into the track. We're right there on the left. There's that huge round pad of grass, and we'll have all our trucks there and a display of about 20 cars. We'll also be at Concorso Italiano, um, also at the Classic Motorsports Kickoff Party on Tuesday the 21st. So that's all in August in Monterey during Car Week. Uh, we'll be at Bear Jackson Vegas. Uh, we, we do all the Bear Jacksons. And then, of course, we'll be at SEMA coming up at the end of October. Um, really excited about that because my wife and I have a car we're building for SEMA for our personal car, which is going to be really, really cool. And then uh, Superformance and Hillbank will be in the Ford out front area with our Drift Cobras taking people for rides. You guys have to come out and take a ride in our Drift Cobra. One of the cars makes almost a 1,000 rear-wheel horsepower with a built supercharged Coyote, and it is a fat-ass car. <laughs> Doug, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate you uh, helping me out on my Cobra search. I will find you in Monterey, and I will also be in SEMA. So we'll get together soon. That sounds great. Thanks, guys, for the opportunity. It's been a blast talking with you. Thank you, Doug. We'll be back with more Road Muscle Radio in just a second. Road Muscle Radio continues. We have been having such a good time. I'm Catfish with Brett Hatfield, and that that was a great talk, man. That was a great uh, great interview. I want to thank Doug Campbell again for coming on. Uh, boy, he just made it easy. He did, didn't he? This guy that these cars. It, I'm 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 on uh, HillbankUSA.com. That's a website. HillbankUSA.com, and I'm looking at uh, some price tags that uh, are are worth it. They're just a kiss out of my price range. Well, you know, it's that 4K thing again. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I'm looking at like one on the front page that's only about 591,000 above right where my my top is. But they're just gorgeous. It's it's pocket change. You'll have that in no time. That's that's what I'm working on. So uh, if you drop by uh, hillbankusa.com, it's just go take a gander. It's, It's Cobra porn. You can't deny it. And they have such fantastic stuff. And, you know, I probably only look at it three or four times a day. <laughs> so uh, d- thank you so much for being on our show, Doug Campbell. And uh, and, and really look forward to seeing you okay. and your lovely wife, Marisa, in Monterey. That's just fantastic. And, again, Doug feeds my cobra fetish. And I'm sure at some point I'm going to have to give him a – you know, I'm sure my daughter won't mind going to community college. <laughs> Well, let's uh let's get into what's hooking. Uh, let's get into what's cooking around our neck of the woods with Exit Lane Live. What 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 kind of events have you got going on there? Well, you know we've got our favorite. It's Cars and Coffee. We've got a couple Yay! of them. Uh, Cars and Coffee at the museum at the uh, Kansas City Automotive Museum in Olathe at one five zero nine five West one hundred sixteenth Street. If you haven't been there, you need to go check that out. That'll be Saturday, August fourth, from eight to ten a.m. Uh, we've got Casey Cars and Coffee at Stonegate Motor Plaza, Saturday, August 25th from 8 to 11. 
And uh, Stonegate is just a little bit south of uh, 202nd and, and uh, Old Metcalf. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a pretty drive. It is. It's a it's a lovely drive. And the thing is, when you're headed out there, you know you're getting close when you start seeing all the cool cars that are out driving around. That was hilarious when I drove down there, and I, I'm I'm in a red pickup truck, right? And I'm in this lineup of these gorgeous vehicles, these just killer Mustangs, couple of classics behind me, and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. You know, you're getting close to the right place. <laughs> also, uh, just a little ways off, but it'll be here before you know it. The American Royal Barbecue Car Show is Saturday, September fifteenth. From 11 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. at the Kansas Speedway. That's 400 Speedway Boulevard in Kansas City, Kansas. And, you know, I, I can think of worse things than spending time around amazing barbecue and amazing cars. Oh, amen, amen. And that thing that thing's just so huge and fun anyway with all the music. And there's there's things that the family can do along with it. So, you know, if uh, kind of like my kids, you know, they can look at like six or eight cars and they're, they're like, I'm done. Well, and then you and can, at the barbecue place, yeah, here's some tickets. See ya. You can you can send them <laughs> off to go do do whatever else there's there, and while you're licking the barbecue sauce off your fingers, you can walk around and not touch anybody's car. <laughs> uh, it's true. Yeah, go see that. That is awfully cool. Absolutely, you've got cool stuff sitting over in front of you. What have you got there? Well, Catfish? August 11th, uh, Platte City, Missouri. There's a pop up car show. Car show. It's held in conjunction with the 2018 Summer Concert Series. So August 11th, you can go up to uh, Platte City, bring your car. You can enter on Main Street at the Courthouse Lawn. Nice so little run up big, north, give oh, you a little yeah. time in the car. and then 7P to, to 9P, check out a uh, concert, stroll down Main Street, bring long chairs. Uh, there's going to be ice cream and fans and water provided by Wells Bank. So uh, kind of a that's a down-home family kind of fun and time. More, more stuff to do. And again, if you got kids or wives and you want to send them off to do something else while well, you ogle at cars, uh Terrific place to do that. <laughs> Field of dreams, baby. Field of dreams. By God. 51st annual swap meet. 51st. This, this is August 17th through the 19th. So this is uh, three days worth. It's going on uh, at the Ozark be... Empire Fairgrounds in Springfield, Missouri. That's going to be huge. Oh, it's enormous. Uh, I've, I've had to fight through the traffic because I grew up in southern Missouri mm-hmm. when this thing was going on, and it was crazy. It is acres and acres and acres of cars that are on display. And then you've got all of the, uh, the swap meet corrals. You've got outdoor ones. You've got indoor ones. All you those can, weird parts you've been looking for, can't yeah. find anywhere else. And you know, somebody's got one in, in the back of their truck in their backyard and they're going to bring it out. It's a, it's a little bit of something for everyone. And we're talking, you know, uh, it's put on by the Ozarks antique auto club. So you can go to your model T's, your model A's all the way up to, to your, you know, fairly, Closer to modern bad boys and uh, and check the chunks out. 51st annual swap meet, Ozark Empire Fairgrounds. It's down in Springfield. That'll be a must hit. There is a 30th annual Midwest Camaro Fest. Ooh, where's this? I know, Riverside, Missouri. It's August 18th and uh, 30th annual. So this thing's been, it's established. It's been going on for quite a while. Okay, have we already marked our calendar for this one? Yeah, (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) $25 entry fee uh, for your Camaro, but uh, you step on in. It's uh, it's put on by the city of Riverside, the Camaro Club of Kansas City, and sponsored by McCarthy Auto Group. So thank you, McCarthy Auto wow, Group. Wow, I wasn't aware of that one. We're going to have to go. Registration starts at 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Judging's noon to 3. They'll have awards at 4 p.m. And by the way, if, if you have a pen handy and you're into Camaros, they do have uh, car show information they have phone numbers. That's just brave. You're and kidding. I'm going to throw the first one under the bus. Steve. 
913-940-2811. Steve. Oh, Steve. You, you just blew up Steve's phone. I hope so. 913-940-2811. That's for the Camaro Club, uh, Camaro Fest at E.H. Uh, e. Young Riverfront Park, August 18th. And then I got one more. I bet you Steve doesn't publish his phone number next year. <laughs> I'm going to find that catfish. I'm going to put a foot in it. Uh, there's the Turkey Creek Cruise Night. Oh, cool. And this is the 18th annual. I love that so many things have been going on forever. No, 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 no. I, I've done Turkey Creek a couple times. I love this thing. It is Saturday, August 11th. It's 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. So it's a cruise and uh, starts at Merriam Marketplace at 5740 Merriam Drive. Now, uh, all show quality cars and motorcycles, this is their uh, their little flyer about it, all show quality cars and motorcycle, motorcycles are welcome. So, I'm going to have to check my email. I'm a little surprised I haven't gotten that one yet. They, I've, I've been on that one a couple times. I usually get an invite. Well, maybe they found out I'm doing this and they're not going to have me back. <laughs> Steve called and yeah, don't do it. Steve said. He blew up my phones. Yeah. We hate him. <laughs> uh, now, the cool thing is it's free. And there's also live music by the Rippers, so 60s music. And then there's catering that yeah. you can get in on and this and that. So uh, No, the Turkey Creek thing's cool, man. 18th annual, Saturday, August 11th, 630 to 830 p.m. And that you, is coming up soon. All this information is available out on the web, so uh, uh, you can run out and check it out. Uh, you know, and that's why I'm, I, so I will have my car. I will, as heaven is my witness, and my bank account is patient. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to go out and get my beater. Cause I'll be the one that's driving that people will look at and go, what the, that, you can just tell them it's a work in progress. Well, no, I, I, I'll, it'll look decent. It's just, it's going to be some big moves. No, I know it's going to ah. be. Now the funny thing is, okay. Your wife's going to make you park it down the street. I talk about all that. And one of the other cars that, uh, well, we've got a couple of, couple of minutes here that I really love are the old Nash's. Little the little tiny uh, the Metropolitan's cool, but there are these various Nashes from the early sixties. Oh yeah, that just don't look right, and they need a mama's <laughs> love, man. <laughs> They're that ugly kid in the neighborhood that nobody wanted to play with, but was really nice. Okay. Always had candy. That to me, that's an early sixties Nash. Well, the, something about you and orphan cars. <laughs> you know, car car makes that don't exist anymore. Nobody's made for decades. Well, yeah. They, well, they look so different. That's I like that they stick out. You know, the, you you go to these events and you're like, oh my god, that's a beautiful car. That's a beautiful car. What the hell is that? And, and you got to go up and look at it. And I like the surprise factor. There's a reason you're a catfish. <laughs> well, there you go. You've got uh, cobras in your lap. You've got uh, a lot of events in your ear holes, and that's what we're here for. I'm Catfish. It's Brad Hatfield, and we are Road Muscle Radio. We'll catch you next time.